All right, well, it's great to be able to share with you today uh, my first time preaching in Reliance. And so when Ted asked me to preach, the first thing that came to my mind is Father Abraham, since it was the Father's special Father's Day message. And um, so that's what the message is going to be on. The second thing that came through my mind is that we would all stand up and sing Father Abraham together. <laughs> I think the first one was from the Lord, and the second one, I don't know, so we won't do that one. But, you know, Abraham has two lines of descendants, if you will. The first one are his physical descendants, which are, you know, the children of Israel, the people, the Jewish people. And the second one is his spiritual descendants. And Paul says in Galatians 3, 7, Therefore know that only those who are of faith... Are sons of Abraham. And so we as believers have our father in the faith, Abraham, as we exercise the same faith as him. So in the church, you can have both, you know, Jew and Gentile, as long as we exercise faith in him. So we're going to look at three things about Abraham. It's just a topical message. And, um, and so it's going to be the first one is that Abraham was flawed. Second one, that Father Abraham was favored by God. And the third thing is Abraham, as for, was faithful to God. And so let's pray before we get started. Lord, we open our hearts as we open your word, as we you know, look at some things about Abraham. We pray that they would encourage our hearts, Lord. And that they would strengthen our hearts to continue to fight the good fight of faith, to move forward, Lord, into the things that you have. So, Lord, minister to us by your grace. We pray that we would find favor even this morning as we, as we seek to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing is, Abraham is flawed, right? He, his Abraham's origin, let's look at that for a second. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, it says this, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. So this is kind of where Abraham came from uh, Mesopotamia, Ur of the Chaldeans, modern-day Iraq. And that's where he came from, a place that, you know, were worshiping different gods. Commentators, you know, have very, uh, you know, what exactly that was. But more than likely, it was the worship of the moon god, the sun god, and the, and the stars. And so later on, Moses warns the children of Israel to avoid those things, but this is Abraham, where Abraham comes from. So in other words, Abraham had a difficult start to his religious life. You might say Abraham didn't come from a good Christian family, right? Um, and, and this is the thing, we all come from different places. We all have different beginnings in life, maybe different cultures, different language, um, different ideas. 
There are those who come from a good Christian family, right? They're raised to kind of understand what the incarnation is. I had no idea what that word meant when I got saved. I didn't know it was a word. (laughs) Um, Crucifixion. You know, Jesus being crucified. They understood. They they, they raised to understand what the implications of that. The resurrection. The ascension of Jesus. There are people that grow up kind of understanding and, and, and gaining this kind of knowledge. But I want to share a little bit of my testimony since this is the first time I'm preaching. I'll incorporate a little bit of my life. I didn't come from a Christian home. I came from a godless environment. That's all I can say. I have two memories growing up of being in church. One when I was five or six years old. I remember being in the back of the church. It was a brick red building, and we were playing. That's what I remember. The second time, I was about 13. I was probably high, and I remember being sitting in church just not understanding a word the guy was talking, what he was saying, and I just couldn't wait until we were done so I could leave, you know. So that, that's kind of my Christianity, if you will, growing up. I came from a godless environment. In my home, there was alcoholism. I grew up with that. That was part of my culture. In my home, there was common occurrence of domestic violence. I, many times, I watched my mom get beat up by my father. I, I, in my home, I, I was raised with adultery in my family, you know. And there was fornication. There was drug addiction. All three of, my, of us kids, my siblings, we all ended up in drug rehab, drug rehab at some point in our lives. So, you know, we were like, you might say a, a good story. Maybe a, a, we could have made a, you know, Peyton's place out of our family. It was, it was kind of a lot of different angles. And like Abraham... And many of you maybe, we had a different start. We had a difficult start in life, you know. I was 25 years old when I got saved. You know, that, and that's what, when I really began to, to learn about Christianity and learn about the truth of God at 25 years of age. And I see kids coming to Bible college, you know. I work at the Bible college. I've been involved in Bible college ministry in Europe and here for the last 20 plus years and and they come at 18 and 19 years old, and they have such a great understanding. And sometimes I wish I had a better start in life. As many of us, many of you may have the same kind of thought. But like Abraham, my origin is not my legacy. My destiny is now my legacy. What God has done in my life, and God, what God will do in my life, That's my legacy. That's what I want people to know. Abraham was able to break free from his past, from his origin, and move into a new future. And by the grace of God, Jesus set me free from all that bound me in my life. And God enabled me to move into a new future, a new destiny, you know. Um, I was the first one to get saved in my family it was 12 years before anybody else got saved. And then one by one, they all ended up confessing Jesus as their Savior. I got saved at 25 at Costa Mesa. Um, 
Four years later, I left to go to Europe as a missionary. I was plant, we planted churches in Austria, Serbia, and Hungary. And I lived there for 15 years, and I came back here and been involved in ministry. I mean, God has done such incredible things, you know, and, and I still have a future. God's brought me to this day at Reliance. I don't know what the date is, because 17th. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a miracle for me. I just it, I wake up and look at my schedule, you know what I mean, and try to keep up with all that, you know, and God's brought me to this point, but man, you know, it's not over. I still have a future. You still have a future. Abraham not only had a bad start, but he had sinful tendencies. After Abraham left Ur of the Chaldeans and came to the land of Canaan, the promised land, his sinful nature surfaced a bit. There was a famine in the land, so he went down to Egypt, and he made a deal with Sarah, his wife, to tell them in Egypt that, he, that she was his sister, not his wife. Because she was very beautiful, and he thought, well, they're going to want you, and they're going to kill me to get to you, so let's just make this deal. You know. If you think about that, and I know it was a different culture, but, you know, no matter what, to have that conversation in my family... You know, that would be, that would be a no-no. <laughs> my wife is from Serbia, my lovely wife, but if I did that, she would go all Serbian on me, I say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, you know, all Abraham is doing is he's looking out for himself. There's not one thought about his wife, Sarah, who was taken into Pharaoh's house, you know, Thank God nothing happened, but, you know, what she must have been going through. There was no thought. I just wanted to save my own skin. And later on, Pharaoh rebuked him in chapter 12, verses 17 through 19. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here's your wife. Take her and go your way. And so now Pharaoh is rebuking the man of God. You know. Whenever you're being rebuked by the unbeliever, there's something wrong with that story. When there's more integrity in Pharaoh than in Abraham. Abraham had a flawed nature just as we all have a flawed nature. Before Christ, we all have sinful tendencies that kind of dominated our life. We still have those tendencies, and I'll talk about that in a second. But before I was a Christian, I was totally self-absorbed. I'm the only guy that mattered in the, in the equation. Yeah, I didn't care who I hurt in order to gratify my flesh, whatever it was. And after getting saved, I remember after the conviction of the Holy Spirit, remembering some of the things that I had done, I remember kind of with horror and, um, you know, in tears, thing, people that I have heard, people made in the image of God, all deserve to be respected with, and, and to be, you know, treated with dignity. And the things I did 
really to deface God in God's face, you know. And I, my heart was broken. Even if you come from good Christian stock, you still have this tendency. You're still flawed. There's still a sinful nature inside you, and you know it. We are all flawed, as our father Abraham was. But Abraham was also favored by God. He was flawed, but God showed him favor. He called him out of Ur of the Chaldeans. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So I want you to notice, now that we kind of understand a little bit about Abraham, there's no reason that God would call Abraham and choose him to bless him apart from God's grace, apart from his grace, apart from God showing favor to this man. He didn't deserve anything. It's something that God was going to do. There was no condition for Abraham. This is something that God said, I will, I will. This is what I'm going to do in your life. I'm going to bless you, Abraham, though you don't deserve it. I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve. And there's other people in the Bible, of course, where God shows favor. Noah is one of them. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, in the English Standard Version, it says, Now Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. In the New King James Version, it says, Now Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so this word, the Hebrew word, can be translated and is translated sometimes favor and sometimes grace. God is gracious with us, and that is God's favor towards us. Not depending on anything that we are or what we've done. It's just God, simply out of his goodness, choosing to show favor to us. Mary is also someone in Luke chapter 1, verse 28. It says, that having come in, the angel said to rejoice, highly favored of one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And the Greek word highly favored has in it the, the Greek word that's translated grace in English, charis. I named my second daughter, Annemarie Caris Thompson. Because that's such a great word, you know. Well, Mary, you're favored of God. You're favored. Think about the Apostle Paul. Before he gets saved, he has one mission in life, and that is to, to destroy the church. If you read his testimony and you understand him, there was something that raged inside him against the church. He violently was persecuting the church. He would vote to people who put Christians to death. But on the road to Damascus, God intervened in his life. The light shone from heaven, knocked him off his camel. He's on the ground. Who are you, Lord? Jesus, who you're persecuting. What do you want me to do? 
God intervened in his life. Why did he do that? What did Paul deserve? The only thing he deserved to be a little bit of dust on that road to Damascus, you know? If it was me, you'd gone. No more persecuting my church, huh? But God chose to show favor, to show grace, to intervene in Paul's life. When I was at my worst, God intervened in my life. I was a drug addict. I was up for 48 hours on one of my runs, you know. I was supposed to be going to work at 7 in the morning. I'm driving to work. But things aren't going too well, obviously, 48 hours not sleeping. So I kind of pull off to the side of the road. I'm going to be late. and My life is a mess. And, and, and it was like, I don't know how to explain it, but it was like a mirror came down out of heaven. And for the first time, I saw me for who I really was. I thought I was cool, I thought I was partying, you know, having a great time, but I looked at myself and that morning and I saw that I was killing myself. I was dying. And I broke down and I wept. And I always claimed to be an atheist, but that morning I called upon God. I didn't know Jesus, I didn't know anything about Christianity, I just called, God, you gotta help me. There's a saying, there's no atheist in a, in a foxhole. Things didn't change overnight, in a couple months after that, I ended up in rehab, and after I got into rehab, about a year and a half later, I ended up getting saved, but that was the beginning of God's work in my life. I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve that moment of clarity to see things, but God showed me favor. He showed me favor. And in God showing Abraham favor, he also forgave Abraham. Genesis 15, verse 6 says, And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God could do what was humanly impossible for him to do. For Abraham, it was to give him and Sarah a son in their old age. He knew it was humanly impossible because he was already in his 80s, she was in his 70s, they hadn't had any children. But when God told him at that moment that I'm going to give you a son from your own body, he believed something triggered faith in the God of heaven. And he believed. And then as a result of that faith, God gave him righteousness. He forgave him and, and, he, and he gave him righteousness. Remember Pastor Ted taught a couple weeks ago about Simon the Pharisee and the sinful woman probably a prostitute because everybody knew she was sinful. So she had a reputation and all. And he taught that they both had a debt that neither one of them could repay. Remember that? Maybe, maybe the sinful woman had a greater debt than Simon the Pharisee. But nevertheless, there was a debt that they weren't able to pay. But by God's grace, he made a way that he could pay it. Because he wants to show favor to the human race. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace or God's favor, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. But here's the beautiful part. 
God just doesn't stop at wiping out the debt that you have. Right? As you put faith in him, it says that God accounted righteousness to Abraham. So not only does he wipe away the debt that we could never pay, but God makes a deposit into your account, a deposit of righteousness. Paul says it this way, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So now, your sins are forgiven if you put your faith in Christ. Your debt has been paid. And we're going to celebrate communion after the service. But not only has your debt been paid, God has given you something that you don't deserve. He's given you his righteousness. And so now, when God looks at us as believers, he doesn't see sinful rod. Though I still know I'm sinful, you know. God looks at me as the righteousness, or through the lens of Jesus, he sees the righteousness of Christ in me. And so now, when the Bible says, to boldly enter the throne of grace, I don't say, well, I'm such a good guy, now I can just tear down the veil and walk through it and boldly go to my heavenly Father. Because inside, I know that I, I, I have no place there. But I believe. I believe what Jesus has done for me. I believe that Jesus has wiped out my debt. I believe that he has given me righteousness, even though I may not feel like it right now. I, I know that what God has done, and I, and I claim that by faith. And that gives me the boldness in Christ to walk behind that veil and boldly approach my heavenly Father. And you, when you have the faith of Abraham, you now can have that faith that boldly goes to God. Not in, you know, anything that you are or what you've done, but in what God has done, the favor that God has given you by forgiving you your sins and giving you the righteousness of Christ in your life. So not only was Abraham flawed, Not only did God show favor to Abraham, but Abraham was also faithful. You know, he was faithful to the Lord. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21 says, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. He did not waver at the promise that God gave him. Never wavered at it. Oh, that we would have the faith of Abraham to claim, to claim and, get, and take a hold of the promises that are ours in Christ. Abraham had complete faith that God was able to do what he said he would do. The Apostle Paul said it like this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. He said, he who calls you is faithful who will also do it. And this is like one of my life verses because God has called me into some ter- certain tasks that I knew that I didn't, have 
I wasn't qualified. I didn't have the ability to do them. He called me to go into Eastern Europe when the communist wall came down. I mean, I was a Christian like all of five years at this point. You know, I was called to go plant churches, preach the gospel. I can't do that. But he who calls you is faithful. I just believed in God. I believed that God was going to be able to do it. If he called me, then he would be able to do it. And this is the essence of faith. God calls you to something. Do you believe that he can do it through you, in you, and through you? Even when the promise was taking longer than expected to fulfill in Abraham's life, he didn't waver. The Lord appeared to him later on, and he reiterated the promise to Abraham. And this is what it says in Romans 4.19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, um, consider his own body dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider those things. This is 24 years later after he gets called out of Ur of the Chaldean. 24 years later. Where I will bless you. I'll give you descendants. You know, he's still waiting. This is 15 years after God promised that a son would come from his own body. Now he's old. He's an old man. But he's not wavering at the promise of God. He's not wavering at the word of God. He knows God can do it. He knows God can do it. And this is the point that I want to make this morning. I want to drive this one, this last one home. Is that Abraham was faithful to the Lord. But Abraham was not perfect. Sometimes we think if we're not perfect, we're not faithful. But that's not the case. Abraham was faithful to God but he wasn't perfect. Um, there were some things that crept back into his life, right? The, the sin that Abraham committed when he was in Egypt, he committed again in a town called Gerar, a Philistine city with a king by the name of Abimelech. He did the same thing. He lied about Sarah, and Sarah was involved in it. And, you know, I feel sorry for Sarah as I read through this. And, you know, man, you just keep throwing me under the bus, hubby. You know, what's going on? Heart goes out to the poor woman. But again, you have this Philistine king in this story who has more integrity than the man of God. Genesis 29 and 10 says, And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, Why have you done this to us? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you have in view that you have done this thing? So again, you know, this king, this Philistine, Philistines don't have a good reputation, right? But this Philistine king has more integrity at this moment than our father, Abraham, the man of God, right? You're going to make mistakes, but it won't keep you from being faithful to the Lord. And it sounds paradoxical, but um, I hope I can 
get the message through. Let's look at one more example of it. Maybe this will help. Remember Abraham's lack of judgment and wisdom concerning Sarah's maidservant, Hagar. Let me read to you Genesis 16, verses 1, and th- 1 through 3. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. You know, I understand that there's a cultural element here. I understand that it was legal at this time to have more than one wife. But whatever the culture, that's an awkward conversation to have with your wife. (laughs) That is a lose-lose for the man. Because you can't agree to that, right? That's, uh, no, I don't know. Well, this is a trick question, honey. <laughs> you can't, you don't want to disagree. You know, have you ever been in those situations? You can't agree or disagree. You're in trouble either way you go, right? What do you, what do, you do in that situation? Uh, okay, honey, I guess I'll take one for the team. I don't know what, you know? <laughs> don't kill me. I don't know. I don't I, 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 I quit. I don't know. <laughs> you know? So, but how do you reconcile this with what we have already learned? That the promise was that a child would come from his own body. Abraham would never waver at the promise. And then you have this story where he seems like he wavered at the promise. Right? Here's how it is. I guess... Sarah and Abraham must have reasoned in their mind, since Sarah was barren, that maybe a child could be born from your body, Abraham, through my maidservant, Hagar. And and then God's promise can be fulfilled like that. So what's happening is is that they're trying to figure out how God's going to accomplish his promise, his goal, his work, And they're using their human reasoning, their human understanding, trying to figure out to help God along the way. And it seemed like the plan worked. They had a baby. But it wasn't the right way. It wasn't the right way. And as a result of this working of the flesh in Abraham's life, the production of Ishmael, there was tension in the family from that day forward even to the present. There were consequences for his carnal work. And see, this is, this is it. We are all still flawed. Abraham found favor by God, but he was still flawed. But he was faithful. You know? We all are going to have our works of the flesh. We're all going to have Things that we thought were right, but they weren't. We're all going to have those 2020 moments of hindsight. Hindsight is 2020. Oh man, I wish I didn't do that, but you did it. You did it. And you might have consequences as a result of that, even today. And you, the consequences may go on, you know, throughout your life. Consequences of sin are real. 
But here's the thing. You don't have to allow that to, to keep you from being faithful for, to God. You can remain faithful to God through it. That's what Abraham did. He made some mistakes. Man, I wish I didn't do that, you know. It didn't seem right at the time. I uh, did it anyway. I don't know why. Um, Proverbs 24, verse 16. A righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. So I don't know where everybody is. I don't know what we've all been through this week and the, this season in our lives. Maybe you've made some Ishmael's lately. Maybe you got a couple of them running around, some wars of the flesh, you know. Some situations that you're still facing consequences of. I want to encourage you. You're not done. God still has a future for you. Rise up, oh man of God. There's just be a song. Rise up, oh man of God. Keith Green, for those dated, you know. That's why I don't sing in the worship team. Sometimes they let me sing, but they just turn my mic off, you know. Let's <laughs> let the old guy do it, you know, whatever. But this is, this is it, you know. You've made some mistakes. You've made some mistakes. What are you going to do about it? Do you still believe in the God of heaven? Rise up. Rise up. Do you believe that he who began a good work in you will complete it? Do you believe that? Rise up. Rise up. You made a mistake. You have some, some consequences that you're going to have to live with. But rise up and focus now again on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You know, getting back to the father thing, Father's Day. I am a father of three children. Um, I got a son who's, well, four now because my son's married. My son's 22. My daughter, Simona, is sitting right over there. Beautiful girl with the red hair. She's 20. And then I just do that to embarrass her. And then um, I have a 17-year-old who's in um, Hawaii right now playing in a big soccer tournament, you know. And yeah, tough, huh? She sent me pictures and I said, stop doing that. It's torture, you know. So, you know, they all three walk with the Lord. I don't know why. I don't know. I know it's not because of me. Probably because of my lovely wife. Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs> it's by the grace of God, favor of God. I don't know how that happened, you know. But I, I do know some of the things that I did in my life with my children because I would make mistakes. Like, you remember where I came from, my origin, the godless kind of family. So I didn't have a model to follow. I didn't have a, a Christian example that, okay, now I'm going to do this when I have kids. I didn't, you know. When I was 17, my dad took me to bars because he thought it was cool that he could drink with a 17-year-old kid. I didn't, I didn't think I should do that, you know, I don't know. So I had to figure it out. My wife and I had to figure it out. We come from different countries, different cultures, different languages. She had ways. I had my ways. You know, we just finally said to each other, we're not going to do it 
your way. We're not going to do it my way. We're going to go to the Bible. And we're just going to start doing it God's way. We've got a heavenly father, unless you start mimicking that, you know. And, and along the way, I make mistakes. I would have outbursts of wrath. I would have a little Ishmael in a, in as I yelled at him, you know. I would make haste judgments. I would have a little work of the flesh, a little Ishmael as I'm yelling and, and, and making a haste judgment about a situation. I didn't get the other side of the story, and I got it wrong. I made mistakes. But this is what I learned, that if I would go to them, and I would just say I made a mistake, and I would confess to them, ask for their forgiveness, and move on. They would usually forgive me. Do you still forgive me? I don't know. You know hopefully. <laughs> you know? You're going you're gonna to make mistakes. But that's the point. You know, you're not going to be the perfect husband. You're not going to be the perfect father. You're still trapped in a flawed, with a flawed nature. And you're going to be battling that flawed nature until glory, until you get rid of this old body, you get a new glorious body. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. And how you fight is when you fail, you get back up. And you say, God, forgive me. I'm going to believe in you that you're going to get me through this and you're going to help me. You never lose faith. Faithfulness is not dependent upon you being perfect. Abraham remained faithful to God even though he remained flawed. 